The information in this podcast is not a substitute for help from a licensed mental health professional. Welcome back to episode 65 of the Practice of Being Seen podcast. I'm your host, relationship therapist, Rebecca Wong. The Popscast is a collection of weekly connectfulness conversations with kick-ass therapists and instigators of change. We examine how to create deeply restorative ripples of transformation within ourselves and within the world around us. So with that said, when we look into ourselves, we start to see the very transformations that we desire to manifest in the world, which means it's really worth noting that this deep work of healing our own wounds is so often ripe with the potential to affect those outward ripples of change. In this week's episode, I'm talking with Dr. Carmen Rosen, a bilingual and bicultural psychotherapist with 25 years of experience working in both Mexico and California. She combines both cultures and both worlds in her sessions, and she specializes in creative expression as a form of treatment for sexual abuse, trauma, and immigration-related stress. Carmen and I talk about the responsibility that we all have to be present in the here and now, and how this responsibility simply breaks down into our ability to respond. This is self-leadership. This is liberation. It's integral that healers, caregivers, and change makers find and cultivate healing spaces for themselves. Too often, we struggle to allow ourselves space to be held, to dive deeply into, and to liberate ourselves from the hard, murky, ugly stuff. Yet we know that our wounds are the places that are in most need of our tending, healing, and love. These are our entry points. Carmen invites us into her deep and personal journey, blending gestalt and transpersonal psychology. She integrates spirituality, meditation, and shamanic experiences. She shares that for her, it's about the ability to stay in deep focus or concentration in who she is and the impact her actions have on the world and herself. This is a beautiful discussion of what stepping into self-leadership can look like. In sharing Carmen's journey, we're hoping to bring light to a collective inward journey for many healers. Permission to dive deep with us. Welcome, Carmen. I'm so glad to have you here with me today. Thank you, Rebecca. I am so excited to be here. Oh, me too. I think we're going to have so much fun and have such a delicious conversation. There are so many different pieces that we've just spoken before we started recording about interweaving into this conversation. And I, well, why don't we just start with having you tell our listeners a little bit about you and your work, because I'm just way too excited and I'm going to jump into all the big juicy stuff pretty quick. Yeah, I can tell that um, I am Mexican um, and I moved 10 years ago to the country, to the United States. And I I have been blending this experience as a Mexican. I was already, I had a group practice and supervisor in Mexico and I needed to start all over to do a PhD 
and go through the process of license here to be a clinical psychologist again. Again, and it was, you were again. Were. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it was it was really humbling and and at the same time painful and fun. That's a weird combination, yeah. but. But it was all of that. <laughs> it was all of that. It, it had the, the humbleness and the pain. But intermixed in there, you also took something else from it. That Yes. Yeah. One of my boss, uh, one of my bosses at the beginning, she said, you look like somebody kicked um, the crown out of you. <laughs> your crown and and it was like that sometimes I was it was so humbling to start all over and make copies for uh, my professors and you know babysit everything that didn't move and didn't interrupt me to do my graduate studies I imagine there were some amazing life lessons in that though in that in those moments of humbling when I when I think about other spiritual practices um you know Buddhism for example like you know it's it's a part of the journey is to to do all the tasks to to clean the bathrooms or to prepare yes. the meals or to wash the dishes there's there's not somebody who gets to a point where they don't do that stuff anymore i come from a background uh, where my parents were um with limited education and and they were serving other people's houses and i come from a background of cleaning houses when i was very young in my teenage years so i really don't mind I think I think it has a beautiful aspect of it, yeah. um, but but having climbed the ladder, which then the way I knew it, and and then start all over again, was painful and was beautiful, because I went through a period that what I can do if I am not psychologist, I was kind of free from being psychologist. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was like possibility freedom. Yeah, like I could. I started, uh, when I moved to this country, I started as a parent educator for the UC California. And I could visit my parents and, you know, all of this freedom from being a license and spend time with them and sit with them and watch TV or something like that different. And and I, I decided to become psychologist because I just love it. Yeah. You so, so it was in some ways an invitation to rediscover yourself and what you discovered is that you already knew who you were. Yes. And and I discovered that I took it from for granted my talent and how life gave me not that easy but but easily, yeah. Um and now to work for the second time it was just a beautiful uh, commitment to my career again. Yes, I I mm-hmm. am hearing you and I'm thinking to, to have that affirmation, to, to choose it again. And mm-hmm. not only that, but to be able to, the second time around, go deeper. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, that's mm-hmm. such a nice introduction to who you are and to, to your background. Now, you interweave so many different things that are, I mean, this podcast is really for change makers, and a lot of our listeners are therapists. So we come to our work from the perspective of wanting to make the world a better place. And so you do this in so many different ways, from teaching leadership to your gestalt um, framework, which is very much about awareness, responsibility, which I want you to describe for our listeners and being here and now. And then you interweave in shamanism. Yes. Um, I think my my career really reflects my own personal growth. Um, when I was in the Bachelor degree in Mexico, I studied 
the psychoanalysis. I was very into psychoanalysis and, and systemic. I then moved into family therapy. I specialize in, in systemic family therapy, which I absolutely love. And, and then I found uh, we were heavily trained in philosophy and um, what, the social aspect, which it was Paulo Freire, the whole movement of the theology of libera liberation. Mm. Um, it was a, a beautiful blend of fighting for your life that in the 80s, 90s, it was from El Salvador, from Guatemala's theories, and it, it, they were coming to Mexico. And we have the very old theories from the United States. Yeah, we have the 70s of the communication skills and Virginia Satir and Salvador Minuchin and all of that. So I became a blend of that. Yes. All but the all the great, all, all, the, all the very yes. beautiful, intellectual, and very power to empower people. It was psychology to empower people. And I'm, I'm also hearing deep in here, it, it, it's the theory of liberation, mm -hmm. right? Th these, this, yeah. is, this is powerful. And I wonder if you can deconstruct this a little bit for us so we can understand what the power is so our listeners can really get that. What, what's the power in liberation? Um, the theory of liberation came and the way I learned it from Martin Baró. And Martin Baró was a Jesuit um, priest who was a psychologist and who studied um, religion and psychology. But he was uh, working with the El Salvadorian population. And he learned that doesn't matter, um, I think he came and did his PhD in Chicago, and doesn't matter how much you know about psychology if you cannot measure the intelligence of a farmer, uh, if there is no tools for that. Or, or you cannot fully understand their lives and their psyche. So it was a. We're talking about connection and empathy. Yes, we are talking about real life uh, application of the theories. Yes. Yeah. And he discovered that um, it was kind of unfair to apply this kind of psychology to those beautiful things that were happening there. Mm -hmm. So he created, he started creating his own theories. And the same with Pablo Freire, he went and empowered uh, low-income communities and he discovered that sometimes the intellectual doesn't help that much, the, the heavy theories, let's say, yeah? So I, I started learning those theories when I was in my 20s and I was revolutionary and I want to everybody to be free and empowered and it was just a beautiful thing. But, uh, you know, um, Rebecca, it was... It was so missing. I was missing a piece on myself. I, I learned that I cannot be free if I don't um, own my own um, my own emotions, my own deep emotions, or my own. Um, I don't know. I didn't have back then. I didn't have. I didn't have it together. You know, I didn't have my my sense of self. Yeah. I, I want to just pause with this because I think it's, it's worth pausing with. <laughs> yes, it is. But to reiterate what you just said, you said, I cannot be free if I don't own my own emotions, if I don't know, have a sense of self. Yes. Yeah. I, I uh, want to give our listeners a chance to sink into the power there because I think this is a journey we're all on. And then I would love for you to take us deeper into 
how you freed yourself, how you gained that sense of self? I think um, I needed to be willing to dip into the pain of who I was and the shame Mm -hmm. of who I was and the, you know, the dark parts of who I was. Yes. So, um, yes, I was a psychologist. Um, I was working with families and couples and I was parent educator. And at that time, you will call it like successful psychologist. Mm Mm-hmm in terms of numbers, in terms of income or whatever. And, but, but something was missing. So I went and did, um, a specialization in, in gestalt therapy. And in that, that time, in that gestalt therapy program, our teachers were very invested in working, like polishing, polishing ourselves. So they were very hard on me. They were very hard on, really discover who I am and doing therapy from that part of who I am. And really bringing still, yourself into the room. Yes. Yeah. Literally, we have 12 hours of coursework. And out of these 12 hours, three hours were group therapy yeah. every week. So yeah. not, not that you were running it, but that you were. No, no. We, we were receiving the group therapy from our professors. Yes. And that probably will not be in the United States due to regulations and, and how sometimes we are to mess up with the students. Um, but in Mexico, we were free to do everything. <laughs> they could dig into my life freely. Nobody will sue them for anything. Yeah. So that was a beautiful and hateful part uh, because it really went deep into who I was. And then I started doing bread work, bread, um, like kind of a Stanislaw-Grove um, deep breathe working to do rebuilding and palingenesis or reconnecting to your breath. Um, Yes. 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 I did a lot of, I did a lot of that. Um, I did a lot of gestalt therapy in the way I learned it could be so harsh. It could be like getting really angry and cursing and hearing to the cushion and, and all of that. So I became that kind of therapist myself. It allows you to connect to the darker places within you, to the rage, to the anger, to the sadness. It gives you permission yes. to go there. Oh, I could go <clears throat> are my, are my mother and my father many times. And that was so healing. <laughs> yeah. and, and then I can go back home and see the real parents. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and stay with them. But, but it was so nice to come to therapy and courts of them. And or at least the image I have of them. And, um, and also learn, learn after, after, because there is a very powerful, beautiful image after, after you're, I am allowed to express my anger, it comes love. Yeah. It, yes. it is it, a very beautiful. Mm-hmm. This is what I think of when I think of liberation. Yes. I think, I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. We need space to, to let go of all of the hard, murky, ugly stuff, because if we don't create that space, we're trapped. It's, all, it's in us holding us hostage. Yes. Yes. It is. I had the luxury or probably um, it was hard, but I didn't know that in that master program, they will choose one or two students of every cohort and they will put special attention to become their own faculty members. Mm-hmm. So that means more work and that means more hitting the cushion and more cursing and more everything. And I didn't know that. 
I just discovered that a couple of years ago talking to one of my professors because they they didn't tell you they just did it like kind of uh, polishing a diamond. Yes, yeah? yes. So I went to work on that and and then I went to work at that time in Mexico in Guadalajara. Ten of the best psychologists of Guadalajara they got together and they did a series of workshops but they were very special workshops. So. I signed for all of these workshops in a year. It was like 10 weekends of mm. deep inner work. Deep work. Deep work. And along with that, I did my, or started my, in my own life, my training with shamanism. Because shamanism allowed me to answer questions that I couldn't answer in psychology or in, in the theology of liberation or in social psychology. It was something that, Help me to explain the unseen, the the the, the I don't know the the mystery, the dreams, the everything that I couldn't explain otherwise, and sometimes that it was not needed to be explained. But yeah? it, it created a container for the that which yeah. couldn't be understood. Yes. So I start learning and playing with my own energy. Yeah. I want to pause you again, if that's okay, because you're you're doing the deep work. You're learning how to contain the things that you don't understand. And you just said this, and you're playing with your energy. Yes, it was some... Do you feel like important uh, ingredients to all go together? Oh, yeah, we need to pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was learning all of that, opening myself to my own pain and darkness, and at the same time playing with energy. Mm. And some of this, it was really plain in a very playful way, yeah. And some of them, it was just stepping into all my own darkness in the energy movement too. So, of course, I needed I needed to face my own demons a lot, yeah. We all have demons to face. We all have demons to face, and we require a lot of community and love and support to face our demons. Yeah. And it sounds like in all of the trainings that you were doing, whether it was doing your own deep gestalt work or studying shamanism, you were encountered with places that would hold you with community. It did. Yeah. It did. And um, it requires two things for me. It requires a community that it, or the experts that are willing to hold you and the willingness to be held. Oh, see, there you go again with all of these show-stopping little moments. <laughs> it's yeah. not just the experts that hold you, but here's the big one. It's the willingness to be held. Yes. Yeah. And doesn't mean I was easy. I, I have never been an easy student, but but at least I was showing up and showing up and messing up again with my professors, but cho keep showing up. That was the secret for me. Showing up. Mm -hmm. Is this just part of your journey? Like if we think of Joseph Campbell and we think of the hero's journey or the heroine's journey, we, we go on this path of you have to go into the dark cave that you don't know what you're going to find. And then you, you find the light, the light within you. I think, I think for me as a person, it was very important to learn to learn that I am a word of love, that I deserve love. Yes. And I didn't believe that. <sighs> and that was, 
Now that I am thinking bad, I, I feel sad for myself in my 20s and probably my early 20s. But I didn't, I didn't knew that about myself, that I was so willing to provide the spaces of love for my clients. I was so angry. Uh, how do you say? Yeah, edit, please. Yeah. <laughs> Here. Yes. I was so, how do you say? Um, eager, eager, sorry. That's how eager. you say it. You say it just like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I was I was so eager to to show up for others, to provide that safe space and to make them feel love that I think it came out of my own lack. Your own, your own need of, of creating yes. that space for yourself. But sometimes, and this happens to so many healers, we 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 are such great healers because of these wounds, because of these places where we need this, this holding or healing or love. And yet we don't always know intuitively how to receive it and direct it at ourselves. We instead send it out in the world to others. And maybe this is only for me and Rebecca, I don't know for others, but what I notice in myself is the more eager I was for others to receive love, the more, um, the more easy I will fail into forcing them. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to love you because I'm going to love you. <laughs> and you are going to receive love because you are going to. It's like when I when I want to hug my cat and my cat doesn't want to be hugged and I, I anyway I need to hug her. Yeah. And then the claws come out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she gets absolutely angry and she yeah. doesn't appreciate that love. Yeah. Yeah. Um so I, I noticed doing that with some of my clients, of course, and it was back and forth. It was like, I can see that, but I also can see my own desperation to help. But I also, I can see my skills to help. Yeah. Yes. So um, life, uh, when, when I moved to the United States and I needed to start all over without knowing the language, um, it was a beautiful, beautiful gift because coming with nothing in English, I couldn't understand anything or talk English, it allowed me to sink into their bodies, ah. in, into meaningful connections, yes. different way. Mm-hmm. Yes. And part of my master degree was also a training in somatic experience. Mm-hmm. We did a lot of dancing and creative movement and drawing and being playful around our body. But coming and not knowing the language allows me to to find ways to connect and to express myself different. To really see someone's body and how that that it speaks. Yeah. How someone holds their breath. That the the subtleties that if we actually listen to what people say, we we miss. Actually, at the beginning, I was trying to understand what they say in a conversation. And sometimes they say, do you understand me? And I say, yes. And then I will explain what I understand. And some people will get mad because it was not what they were saying. But sometimes it was they meant. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And it's quite a journey to learn how to integrate those pieces so that they can be received as well. Yes. Yes. Or... Oh, I, I don't know why I got into the trick of saying yes, yes to everything, because when I didn't understand, I just say yes to keep the person going. And I remember one of my colleagues in the graduate program, one day she came and she was all mad about herself and her life and blah, blah, blah. And she kept talking, talking, like very angry in English. And I said, yes, yes. 
yes. <laughs> and she was like, oh my God, nobody ever listened to me like that. And like, yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, sometimes it's what we need and other times we need we need to really, for someone to like deeply, deeply see us. And yes. I, yeah. I, I wonder if we can turn this a little bit because there's, there's a few pieces that I, I want to make sure that we get to. And I know that leadership is something that you teach. Yes. Right. I would love for us to, to get into the story of how you found your way into teaching leadership. Um, I found my way because very early at, when I was in my 20s, I was trained as a parent educator. Mm-hmm. And my job, that's my problem with me, Rebecca. I never stick to my job. Somebody no, tell think, me what I to think do. You stick exactly to your job, but your job is not one that's going to be determined by somebody yes. else that's guided. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Thank yeah. you for, yeah, thank you for the reframing. Of course. Anytime. <laughs> so what happened is I was hired. I was going, I was knocking doors into the low income communities and inviting um, families to just join me for a, a very casual conversation. Yes. And I will ask them to put together their list of topics. Once I introduce myself and say, I'm going to be your parent educator, let's put together the list of topics. That comes from the Paulo Freire point of view that will ask for their own content. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that we don't impose our content. So they were choosing their content. And what I learned after a couple months of working with them is that it was not enough. They they were ready to be active changers. They, they were changers in the community. Now they were ready to do something meaningful for their community. They just didn't have the skills for it. So my job supposed to be to finish there. I will do 10, 12 sessions and finish with them and move on to another community. What I did was, okay, now let's, you know, get into work and let's do, let's see what you need. So they start asking for leadership skills. And then I start bringing the theories of leadership. And they were like, oh, that that you are describing, it already exists in the books. So I will start bringing the books and reading to them or as, asking them to read, which some of them were like, what the hell, why I need to read to be sitting here, yeah? But but they were, when when I start teaching them that they could actually learn from somebody else's experience, um, they will start applying to yes. their to their communities. So some women, for example, they learned that they could bring electricity to their community or better roads. They can they can protest and get better roads from the from the government, or they can organize other women and organize and provide food. So it was like leadership in action. I will say that. I leadership in action. And, you know, this is it. I talk about this often, but I talk about the ripples of change that we want to see in the world Mm -hmm. and how so often we have to respond by looking at ourselves and doing something internally. Yeah. You talk about the gestalt, about the awareness, the responsibility in the here and now. And you defined to me before we started recording that responsibility and gestalt really means the ability to respond. And as we're talking about leadership right now, I can't help but think this is, okay, you're sitting down with this 
with this group, you're in a community and you're bringing awareness to what's the issue that we're facing here and now and how are we able to respond? This is leadership. This is leadership for me. Leadership um, made by themselves. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Taking personal I, leadership for something that's greater than oneself even. Yes. I will, I will um, probably describe my work as just holding their moment of birth. I don't know how, what is the word for that in English, but... Midwifing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Being, being kind of the midwife for their own growth in the way they want it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my job probably was just to help them to connect with the resources, like to teach them how to find the resources. Um, and how did, my, how did shamanism play into that? The shamanism, I have a, a sense that it does. Yes. The shamanism, <laughs> what's very beautiful part of, of my work in the community because the shamanism comes from the community. Yeah. The shamanism for me, is one or is the cousin of the psychology, but comes from practicality, comes from doing and doing again and applying their own discoveries. For our listeners who might not have a lot of insight in or um, awareness about what shamanism is, can you break it down for us a little bit? For me, shamanism, um, I learned the way of Car- Carlos Castaneda way. Um, for me, shamanism was uh, or, or is the ability to focus, to stay deep focused or uh, concentrated in who you are and what your energy does to others. So meditation or journaling or drumming or dancing or cooking or drawing, whatever it helped me to be aware of what I say, how I move, and how I impact the world, and how I impact myself with what I do. Yes. Which is a very, it's not an easy, uh, um, even though I was four years very into the shamanism, I will never even near call myself anything like shaman because shaman is a whole life purpose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... And it's something that has influenced you. It's not yes. what you would define yourself as, but it, it it's a, a way that has had an influence over how you show up. Yes. Yeah. It's I, a very sacred path for me. Yeah. And I'm, I, I just want to stay with this a little bit longer, if that's okay. Because yeah. as, as I heard you speaking, you were saying it's, it's the ability to stay in deep focus with, with who you are and what your energy does to others and to yourself. Yes. This is, this is a deep knowing of, of oneself. I, I will put you an example of one of my family, uh, one of my friends. Yeah. Uh, we were in New Year's and we were, you know, talking out loud the wishes for the year. And this, this couple, they kept saying all night that they wanted more vacation, more vacation, more vacation. Yeah, for, for this year. And they went back to their country of origin. And because of this immigration purposes and whatever, they've been held more than normal 
they went for vacation and they are being held more than normal. There. They're getting their more vacation. Uh, yes. <laughs> and then we talk and they are all very anxious and like, oh, come on, we want to go back to the United States and blah, blah, blah. And I start laughing <laughs> and I say, guys, you ask for more vacation. You are stuck in a fun place. <laughs> you need to be more vacation. And they start laughing and they say, okay, now we need to manifest our way back to the United States. Okay, that sounds different. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 not the same as complaining. Yes, it's it's yes. in a different place of taking some responsibility. Yeah, but I yeah. have learned in my life that when I open my mouth, even before I open my mouth, I really need to be aware of what I produce. And and you know, Rebecca, it, that was not who I am when I start when I grew up. No, that, that was, was who you transformed yourself into through all of your depth work. Or or I will say it differently. Probably that's who I was because my parents are indigenous, but this is how I unlearned to be. I unlearned that focus and that consciousness, and then I needed to learn again. Yes, it's it's so important, and I'm so glad that you you came back to that and that you you pointed that out. That it it is about this is this is an innate way of being. Yes, and. There are different things that happen within our lives that take us away from who we are. And some of our work is to remember and come back to those parts of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is what was my journey to just relearn. And when I had this container or this law for these families in the low income communities, and when I appreciate who they are, and the way they cook and the way they, they do their chores and the way they are committed to their work and everything is, for me, is when it starts happening the growth, when it starts happening the, their own uh, self of love. Yeah. Yes. Um, which for the psychosynthesis, the Italian uh, psychology, the psychosynthesis says we just need a center of unification, of authentic unification. And that can be somebody who really see who we are, who really connects with us. It can be a flower, it can be our pet, it can be our uh, partner, or it can be our therapist. Yeah. But somebody who sees into that piece of us and believes in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That for me is leadership. That is leadership. I would mm -hmm. totally agree with you there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's one of those places where we all need a leader because it's really hard, especially when our parts are fragmented and broken, to be able to see that and be that leader for ourselves. And you know what is the beautiful uh, part of it is that we can be leaders in some aspects and we definitely can be a mess in other aspects. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that liberating? Oh, I love it. I, I really love it because it, it allows us to, to show up somewhere and feel like we're intact. Mm -hmm. And then it allows us and gives us permission to go deeper and do the work that we need yeah. to do and take the responsibility for ourselves and our lives. And that those two pieces can be held in different hands. Yes. Carmen, this has been such a gift of a conversation. I'm, I'm just thrilled with all the places we've gone. I know that you have an amazing ebook um, that our listeners might want to learn more about. Do you want to share a little bit about that? 
that actually that ebook it came from um, when I was interviewing another podcast in the in the therapy chat with Laura. Um, I had I growed that journey for me is I growed that journey of my Mexican um, training with with the shaman and how was my experience as being psychologist and being a resistance very intellectual psychologist and how the shamanism came into my life without me consciously asking yeah and it describes all my ups and downs in that journey Mm -hmm. and it's, it's small it's if you put it in a pdf probably is like eight pages if you put it in a ebook it's like 20 pages it's a very small but but it's a, a gift for those of us who are in the healing field and we wonder what else what else is the mystery how why sometimes we cannot do that much for our clients or why sometimes we do as much and we don't even know yes yeah yes Oh, yeah. I, I can't wait to explore it myself. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm excited to share it with our listeners. We'll have a link to it in the show notes, I believe, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And how can listeners find you? What's the best place for them to reach out to you? I am in my own podcast, in the Emotions in Harmony podcast. Um, and, and the website is that. Um, Emotions, Emotions in Harmony. In Harmony.com. And this is the first time I'm saying it publicly, even I haven't said in my podcast, Rebecca, um, we are preparing the Emotion in Harmony to be a nonprofit. Oh, Carmen, yeah. what do you hope to do with that nonprofit? I hope, I hope to get funding to keep the podcast free uh, and to keep having wonderful guests that doesn't need to be a famous guest or not, or doesn't matter. It just needs to be, have something meaningful to share. Yeah. So this is what I hope. And you know, as you know, podcasting can be challenging to fund. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I hope, I hope just to remind a gift for my community. Yeah. And we are transforming. So this is, I'm saying that because emotionsinharmony.com could be later on emotionsinharmony.org. Yes. So we'll, we'll just keep that in mind. I imagine that mm-hmm. we could, you could play with the background stuff and make sure that um, URLs yeah. redirect yeah. needed. Yeah, that's right. But, um, but yes, this is a good thing just for our, for our listeners to know in terms of where to find you in the future. I'm yes. so excited for what I'm, I'm feeling an energy as we're talking right now. And I'm just really excited for what, what I'm picking up and what this energy is saying about what gifts you have to share and, and where you're going in the world. Thank you. I feel that energy too. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> it's like, it's so beautiful to, um, to, to allow me with your presence just to explore some forgotten parts of me. Like I forgot who, who I was in this journey sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I think it's Thank important you. for us to, to have these moments of, reflection of moments of hindsight and insight and it's it's all part of creating a deeper vision and, and seeing where we want to go yes i really appreciate that that the work that you are doing in that regard yeah well that's that's what i think of when i think of the practice of being seen yeah it can be scary you know <laughs> oh yeah i know <laughs> i know really well <laughs> yeah yeah well thank you for being with us today carmen thank you We're still accepting enrollment in our Wild Women discussion group. 
that meets online the last Thursday of the month through September 2018. We're journeying together in remembering who we are, what we're made of, and why we're here. Go to practiceofbeingseen.com slash events to learn more. And to learn more about my relationship therapy practice or intensive couples retreat experiences in New York, go to connectfulness.com. And if you're an instigator of change who wants to dive even deeper into connecting all of your parts, then there's a link to click in our show notes to learn more about working with me one-on-one. And if group experiences are what you're after, then there's an integrative mastermind designed for therapists and healers to help you release your blockages, cultivate your vision, and tend to yourself and the relationships that support you. Our focus is going to be on integrating your personal and professional parts in full support of you thriving in all aspects of your life, relationships, and livelihood. Because all of these layers play together to either elevate you to the next level or hold you stuck in a loop of overwhelm and inaction. Curious? Learn more about the mastermind over at practiceofbeingseen.com slash mastermind. We also invite you to join our community on Facebook or find us on social media at Popscast or send us an email at practiceofbeingseen at gmail.com. The Practice of Being Seen podcast is produced by me, Rebecca Wong, along with the support of my amazing behind-the-scenes team, Nicole Stevenson and Christy Hausler. Music by Chris Farris Jr. and Sr., produced by Kidney Stone Studio. We hope that you enjoyed the show, and will join us next week for another episode of The Popscast, brought to you by Connectfulness.